0: Here you go. Nightmare, Malrev. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, 12, 2023. The nightmare is a double entendre because we're leading the show with two segments in a row about the New York Jets who should be completely irrelevant, no one should care about them, but two things happened yesterday, and frankly, both of them are nightmares, but the first one is a true business nightmare for the NFL and for the Jets. I'm going about my day yesterday, everything's fine, and beep, beep, phone beeps, rings, there is an Instagram video from Zach Wilson's mom telling the world or those who care or those who listen, which is a fragment of us, but it's a damn loyal fragment that Zach Wilson's been having headaches, concussion-like problems, blurry vision, but he didn't tell anyone. And then I started listening really way closer. Zach Wilson's mom is making the following claim that Zach Wilson got hit He got hurt, but he chose not to tell the training staff. He chose not to tell his head coach. He chose not to tell his teammates. Then he got hit again. And then it was so bad that he had to say something, and then he was out. Concussion, protocol, syndrome, et cetera. And my brain went to one place. Roger Goodell sitting in New York, looking at that video of Zach Wilson's mom, saying to himself, this is the problem. We have a multi hundreds of millions of dollars settlement for the concussion lawsuit. If you remember that, that's former players suing because they got concussions and they want money. Then you had all those issues about how to allocate the money. Then you had issues of players trying to figure out how much money they could get. Then you've got rules put into place on the field for current players you've got the blue tent you've got an independent the tour rule i call it an independent nfl employee who's looking at the play and saying oh that guy just got hit let's check him out and the head coach says no he's totally fine hey player how do you feel totally fine no no i don't care what they say to me you look terrible off the field in the tent prove to me that you're fine The breakdown that happened with Zach Wilson, put it to the side. The ramifications of what happened to Zach Wilson, let's talk about. When you are running a business where there is a danger, a physical danger, it could be a plant, a manufacturing plant. It could be anything where there is a machine or something that could happen. People who work with table saws, you can lose fingers or hands or arms or noses. So it's across all industries. There are regulations that are put into place that are codified. They're legal. You have to follow them in order to have workplace safety. Workplace safety recently also includes your mental health space, which is an outstanding expansion of what workplace safety should be. But the reason why you want a workplace that is safe, if you are on management, is you are covering yourself in case of litigation. You get to say to an employee, every protocol was followed exactly properly. This is your error. The employee gets to say, every protocol wasn't followed and that was the cause of my injury. And in the alternative, if every protocol had been followed, then the protocols were not sufficient enough and that caused my injury. The old alternative argument, my favorite kind. I didn't do it, but if I did, I didn't mean it. So Zach Wilson is in a position where he can actually have a claim that the protocol, the concussion protocol was not followed properly. His mother has a claim as a loving mother that her son is not being protected even under the existing rules. And the NFL has a problem because they now have got to make changes to their protocol. There is no scenario, not one, where the NFL can ignore this video and not send both a memo and tighten the existing concussion protocols to guarantee that this does not happen again. It's a major money issue. Hundreds of millions of dollars are at stake. And in a $30 billion industry, what does that matter? Oh, it matters. What do I do as president of a team trying to make sure that players are honest with the training staff? I sit and watch games with our President of Baseball Operations. We're watching games alongside the pitching coach, the manager. We've got other employees who are watching all games, at the entire minor league system, every game. And what we're looking for is behavioral changes, both physical and mental. Are we seeing anything mechanical? Is there anything that would indicate that there's a lower extremity issue that is causing a different style for a pitcher, which can lead to an elbow injury? Is there any movement in a batting stance, any change in a leg kick? Is anything going on that is leading to lack of performance or covering an injury? And the reason why we study that is we wanna minimize a player's injury because we want to minimize how much time a player misses because we want to minimize how much we're paying players not to play. God, that sounds cynical, but that's exactly why we did what we did. The NFL wants its teams to do the same thing. The problem is in the NFL, there is zero incentive for a team to look at a quarterback and say, "Oh." You are seeing stars come out of the game. Just aim for the middle player. If you see three players that are really one, aim for the middle one. The incentive when you've got a 17-game season is that missing one game, as you know with the math, it's like being put on the injured list in baseball. Not insignificant. In addition, the settlements that are being paid are coming out of central fund in the NFL paid for 1 Uh, I'm blanking again, because I confuse this. Are there 32 NFL teams, Coca? Then it's 1 So think about that. When a player is suing for a problem, they are getting money and each team is funding a 32nd of that loss. Because when you sue the specific team, you really are not gonna get anywhere. You wanna include the entire league. So we have a problem with incentives. So Roger Goodell is gonna have to propose some changes and I've got some thoughts. What is it that NFL teams crave more than anything else? What would you say, if I did a poll, what is it that NFL teams value above all? My view is they value draft picks. If I am the union and I actually care about my players, or I am a mother or father and I actually care about the health of my players, or I'm even Roger Goodell who cares about youth playing football and having parents not afraid to let their kids put on pads, which is critical to the lifeblood of football, assuming you can't get a tight end to date Taylor Swift. I am costing and taking away draft picks from teams, who are not recognizing injuries and then are not taking players out. David, that's way too harsh. Players lie. That's true. I had players lie my entire career about how they felt because they were going into arbitration, didn't want to be on the injured list because when you're on the injured list and you're going into arbitration, we get to say in the room, this guy got hurt last year. Pay him less money. Free agents to be don't want to. Some agents want free agents to be to not play unless they're feeling perfect because they don't want them to have bad performance because that'll impact their free agent price. Other agents want their free agents to be to play through anything to show that they are iron men and that they are good signings for a new team. So there's a dispute amongst agents as to what to do with those players. But the bottom line is the discussion of injuries and whether or not a player should go play when left to the agent or left to the team, neither party, an agent or a team, neither one has a player's best interest in mind. We all have to pretend we do and say the right thing about protecting players and say the right thing about mental health and say the right thing about what we're trying to do in order to make sure that players are put in the best position they can to do the best they can. It's a bunch of horse hockey. We're in the business of having those players play. Get out there, do your job, but you better do it well. So the nightmare that the NFL is in, you know, Tom Brady is not a part of that nightmare, Coca, I would just mention. Tom Brady did that, uh, he had an Instagram comment about, uh, remember Demonte Cuzzy? The, the uh, Steelers player, he got suspended for those crazy hits. He's just a bad guy. He's, leading, he's doing it wrong and he's hurting people. And Tom Brady said, oh, no one cares. No one, no one wants to see anybody get hurt, but hard hits happen. Part of the game, as a matter of fact, it's the problem of the quarterback if a wide receiver gets hurt. I always like that. It's the quarterback's fault because they're throwing across the middle. I think that the rules of football needs to change. And here's my suggestion. Top three things the NFL can do to cut down injuries. Number three, spot fouls for any personal foul. And I don't mean where the personal foul happens because sometimes it happens in the backfield. I mean like pass interference type of spot foul where you get to the one yard line. I totally can't stand the rule of pass interference spot fouls. But for me, I'm totally fine. No, I didn't, Coca. Demonte Kazee. Is that not right? Damn it. I'm so sorry that I'm bad with names. I didn't say Cuzzy. Coca's yelling at me. It's Wednesday. Please don't. I'm preparing for Lebitard in an hour and 12 minutes. I'm really not. Okay, that's number three, spot foul for personal fouls at the one. Number two, the elimination of the face mask. And number one, back to leather helmets. Do you think that defensive players would hit the way they hit if they only had leather helmets on and no face masks? I think the equipment has gotten so good in football that it lets players run 100 miles an hour into somebody and it leads to problems. So that is what I would do. Do you think you'd stop watching? Is it the violence that you watch for? Is it the fights that you watch for in hockey? The bench clearing brawls in baseball that make the lead of Center? We always would say something to Skipper and ESPN. Why do you lead Center with a bench clearing brawl, but when we have got a great pitching matchup two to one and it's a great game, you bury it in the C block. Like what's, that's a little inside, inside studio, but that's like the back half of the show. Why do you do that? Well, we give the people what they want. Does that mean you all like the violence? So you want the biggest equipment, the biggest pads, the best helmets that they keep making better to save concussions? Here's an idea, leather helmets, no more concussions. Now, of course, there's other injuries like the Achilles, when your Achilles tears. Nothing personal, fans, those of you who are so loyal This Aaron Rodgers story from Pat McAfee, I love that Rodgers gets paid. I love that he goes on McAfee once a week. I love that he makes news and we all comment on what he says on McAfee. And we have to give McAfee credit by saying it's on McAfee. Because if you don't, then that's not nice because he's on McAfee. And the reason he's on McAfee is he has fun, but he also gets paid a hellacious amount of money. Good for him. Yesterday on McAfee, Aaron Rodgers confirmed what you know as nothing personal listeners or viewers live nothing personal with david samson youtube channel do you know what i've never done during a show coca i'm gonna do it right now i'm just gonna do it for fun i'm gonna enter the chat i mean i shouldn't because i'm gonna get totally distracted but there it is i just entered the chat thank you you can come and chat hello that's it aaron Rodgers said that you know i'm not quite a hundred percent because if i were i'd be pushing to play but the fact is i'm not And then he said, it's unrealistic to think I would have been hundred percent and medically cleared at any point during the regular season. NSS, baby. But if we were still in the playoffs, then maybe I would have come back. And then he dropped it. There's always a fear about a re-rupture if you're going too fast. But this allows me, I'm not gonna slow my rehab down. I'm gonna keep attacking it every single day. But now without a timetable, obviously we can be as smart as we need to be hell yeah that's big news aaron Rodgers is not going to be play this season as we said i thought maybe he'd be activated and then not play just so we could say that he got activated but i think the jets finally got smart and said hey we don't want to take up a 53 roster spot with you we don't want to activate you because you were never going to play the thought of coming back in world record time from a torn Achilles. Oh, maybe your Achilles wasn't torn. No, no, it was totally torn. Well, if it had been totally torn, then you could not have come back this quickly, period. But now it's confirmed. So we had to wait to see. I can't remember the date when we said Aaron Rodgers would not take a snap in 2023. Many of you corrected it saying, and I appreciate that, that he did play four snaps, but you know what I meant with the wait to see. I forgot to say another, but I'm still taking credit when I tell you something's gonna happen and I'll revisit it, yes or no. Aaron Rodgers is not coming back as announced on Pat McAfee's show. So one of the questions is, what's gonna be with the Jets? On October 4th, I said Aaron Rodgers wouldn't take another snap as a wait to see. Oh, that's a winner. That's a winner. Thank you, Coca. October 4th, 2023, Aaron Rodgers will not take another snap. Winner. But then, Aaron Rodgers, as part of his McAfee performance, he talked about his coaching staff. One thing when we're firing managers, which we did quite often, is we didn't quite pay attention to when players were defending their managers because all players, always defend their managers. Whenever a manager gets fired, there's always someone who is counted on by his teammates to go public and say, hey, he can't play for us. He's not on the field. We feel terribly. It's not his fault. It's our fault. We've just got to be better. The king is dead. Long live the king. That's normal. Totally ignore that. Sometimes your player will come in and complain about something going on with the manager or a coach, and you sort of listen, but you don't make an action due to that. But the post-firing statements are some of the most useless statements that a player can make. Aaron Rodgers yesterday has decided, he looked around and he found a hill. And he said, you know what? This is a good one to die on. He believes that Joe Douglas, the GM, Great drafts, great roster. Salah, the embattled coach of the Jets, quote, he's a fantastic coach. It's been injuries. That's been the problem for the disappointing year. And my main man, Nathaniel Hackett, who I believe in you, baby, he said, quote, I think the offense that he runs is quarterback friendly. Obviously, it's geared around me and my abilities and what I do well. There's no reason to move on from either Hackett or Douglas or Sala. Hold on, let me see if I get this straight. The New York Jets, one of the most clown car franchises in terms of performance. It's not like they have a World Series since Joe Namath. That's an absolute defensive comment I'm gonna find myself I've got to be more secure in the fact that we won a World Series in 03. And for all the people who said that I was so bad at what I do, I can always show them the ring and that should be a lifetime exemption. It's like a master's exemption. Yeah, I won the master's 25 years ago. Still here, teen off, baby. Shooting 70s. No, that'd be good. Shooting 80s, but I'm here. So what does Woody Johnson do when he hears this? I have a thought on that. Woody Johnson should ignore Aaron Rodgers. But Woody Johnson has proven to have the spine of the spineless, a backbone of the boneless. Woody Johnson is gonna hear what Rodgers said on McAfee and say, all right, I think we're gonna run it back. That's gonna be their talking point at the end of the season. Now, he's gonna have to come out and say it because we're all expecting Salah to get fired at the end of the season, which he should. But instead, what's gonna be announced is, hey, So many, this is not the team that we expected to field. You cannot evaluate a coach based on having Hugh Douglas, Hugh Douglas, based on having Zach Wilson and those other people I can't even name. Remember when they were starting all those different guys? Anyway, we can't really judge because of the injuries. So the best thing we can do is we are excited for Aaron to be back and he'll be at full strength next season and we believe in the combination of Douglas Sala and Hackett to lead us where we deserve to be for you the fans and that is playing in the Super Bowl that's what Woody Johnson will say after the season as a matter of fact I'm so sure that's what he's going to say that I'm going to make it a wait to see let's make this official the Jets do not fire their coach or GM official at the end of this season wait to see for December 20th I just don't think they can afford to undermine Rodgers because they've made their bed with Aaron so deeply, so crisply that with Rodgers on record with what he did, if they go ahead and fire these guys, then Rodgers has no choice but to say something publicly and it starts the whole next season with a problem. The caveat to the wait to see, which I'm not going to make, but it does exist, is that Woody Johnson could call Aaron I've, I've actually done calls like this to players. Hey, we're making a change. What do you think of blank? It doesn't mean we're going to hire blank or not hire blank, but just asking, asking for a friend. What do you think of Bobby Valentine? I guess Woody could call Aaron and say, hey, we're, uh, we're, we think it's possible to get Bill Belichick here. What do you think? <laughs> All right. How about a so you want to talk to Samson? This is something. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you ask a question. It's from the movie Half-Baked. Character named Samson, davidsampsonpodcast.com. Feel free to ask me questions. Here we go. David, thoughts on scenes of an Italian restaurant with Tommy DeVito and hello. Well, thank you. I appreciate that question. I love the Billy Joel reference, finishing his residency at the Garden. No matter what your age is, if you can go see him, go see him. Tommy DeVito, do you know that name? The quarterback for the Giants, who's at minute 14 and a half out of 15 minutes of fame. He's come in, he won three games in a row, then lost to the Saints. He came in because all the Giants quarterbacks were hurt. And here he goes, he's playing and he's winning games. And he's got this agent, this quote-unquote Italian agent, And I don't say quote unquote, he may be Italian and it just, he became a thing. The issue with the Italian restaurant is a good one. Tommy DeVito agreed to make an appearance at a Jersey restaurant for $10,000. Then he had a really good Monday night game and purportedly his agent called up the Italian restaurant and said, by the way, Tommy will still come and sign autographs and make an appearance, but it's now 20 grand, not 10 grand. The pizza restaurant said, are you joking? We're not giving him 20 grand. We have a deal at 10 grand. We never had a signed deal. Yeah, but we had an oral agreement. That's not enforceable. But we're not gonna sign something for 20. Well, he's only coming for 20. Then screw it, have him not come. Fine, he's not gonna come. And then all of a sudden it went viral on social media. And wouldn't you know it, Tommy DeVito ended up going to the Italian restaurant, wait for it, for zero. He made it an unpaid appearance because he looked so bad. He, not his agent, he. Which brings me to agents, one of my favorite topics. Agents handle contractual negotiations with teams. Then they take a cut, just say it's 5%. Agents want to get more than 5%. So what they do is they offer more services to the player. Sometimes they offer financial services. Hey, we partnered with blank and they're going to manage your money. I'm going to get a little shtup, but they manage your money. Hey, I partnered with blank. This guy can do your estate planning. Hey, I partner with blank. They can find a house for you. Real estate agent. Hey, I partnered with blank. That person's going to handle all your appearances, all of your off-field stuff. And they're part of what we do, so that's above and beyond the 5%. I've always spoken to players about this and asked players to separate church and state. Because agents, most of them, there are exceptions, do not necessarily have the future best interest of the player in mind. They're looking for a bigger cut while the player's earning as much money as he can. Tommy DeVito charging $20,000 per appearance, that is not likely to last very long. Tommy DeVito charging 10,000 for an appearance is not likely to last very long. But when it is, you strike while the iron's hot and you cut as many deals as you can. The problem is that players can't be counted on to know when they're at 14 minutes and counting. Agents don't wanna be honest with their players when they're at 14 and a half minutes and counting. And so basically, you've got two people talking to each other who are just talking over each other with confirmation bias. Oh, you're the best. We're going to have so many opportunities for you. You're going to be doing car commercials. We're going to get you a car. We're going to get you free food, free clothes, because you look good in suits. And then on top of that, I see the soft drink category in your future and maybe even a brewski. What they don't say is... Here's what your rate card should be. Because what players tend to think is that when they're playing well, when they're the big thing, they tend to believe their own social media, believe their own press, believe there's a value in the market that simply doesn't exist. I've been put in the position many times, many times, where players have been upset with their agents or with the rate that they're being paid to do things, and I talk to them about rate cards and about what companies are paying for, how they get a return on investment, what type of publicity someone gets from partnering with a player or an athlete or an actor or somebody, a front office person. You know how on podcasts we'll do codes, do this for code Samson 20. People keep track of who's using the code, how much incremental money is being given to a company, and then the person who's being helpful by doing the reads gets a percentage of that money. That's called sponsorship revenue when you're a podcast. It's called endorsement revenue when you're endorsing a product. Believe me, if nobody's buying cars, what is the name of that car that Derek Jeter does? I don't know, by the way, how bad a commercial is that? I wanna go home and then I go home and see my wife and he's driving a car because the plane doesn't work and he drives through a rainstorm. Bad commercial, can't remember what it is. Do you ever get that in the Super Bowl when people are spending like $6 million for a 30-second ad and it's some sort of weird ad and then the next day you're like, wait, what was that product for? Well, that seems like a waste of 6000000 bucks. million. I'm going to call them out because I want to give them a little something to my audience. If you can go to Caniglio's Old Fashioned Pizzeria, then I'd like you to go. I don't exactly know where it is. It's in Jersey somewhere. But if you are part of the 3.2% of people in Jersey listening to this show, please go to Caniglio's Old Fashioned Pizzeria and tell them you're not there because of Tommy. You're there because of David Sampson, nothing personal, and give them the code, David Sampson plus 20, and they will charge you 20% more for your pizza. All right. By the way, he has a marketing agent and his regular on-field agent should not be making those deals. He shouldn't be texting with the pizzeria. He shouldn't be involved at all. And Tommy made it clear that he's got an off-field marketing guy. I wonder if the agent overstepped his bounds. I wonder if Tommy DeVito is gonna fire his agent who also is at 14 and three quarters minutes and counting. Hmm. All right, we come back. We're gonna review a movie I watched yesterday. And then we are going to talk about what happened with our pick of the day yesterday because I hope you were paying attention because over time or not, we made some money. We'll be right back. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Okay. We were nominated yesterday for two sports podcast awards. One best baseball podcast and two, best sports business podcast. I find that to be funny because I don't know how I'm honored. Nominated in two categories. I want to be the best baseball podcast. I also want to be the best sports business podcast. But if I win both, that means I'm actually both. Or just being nominated for both may mean that I'm both because I do talk about sports business outside of baseball. But yet it is still according to all of these awards groups, a baseball podcast. Riddle me that. That said, the reason I was nominated is because of you. The reason I'm going to win is because of you. So we are putting on the screen where to go, sportspodcastgroup.com, and then click awards. It's sportspodcastgroup.com. Click awards, then you can vote. You may have to register. Just put in your name, email. Don't worry, they're not selling your stuff. And I believe you can vote early and often. And what I'd appreciate is if you would tell all of your friends and family to vote because it is very important to win because I've been a nominee before and I don't want to be that guy who says, oh, I'm just so honored to be nominated. Horsaki, I don't want to lose, I want to win. Being nominated is not a win. Winning is a win. The only people who are satisfied with nominees, being a nominee, let me get that exactly right, because I want to make sure that I repeat this properly. Two, four, six, sixty-nine. The only people who are satisfied with being nominees are losers in that particular category. Not losers in life, losers in the awards and it's award season in the movie industry and TV industry, which I love, Golden Globes are coming up, Oscars are coming up, and this is when you hear it all the time. I just can't believe how lucky I am to be within this group of other actors with these great performances. Well, every other podcast in my category, they all stink. How about that? Wouldn't it be great if an actor just came out and said that? How would I not have won? Look what I was up against. Oh, I'm so honored to be in the same category as Robert De Niro, puts a tear in my eye. Sportspodcastgroup.com, please vote. Let's win, thank you. We may mention this again, I'm just saying. We are 193 and 185. I hope you did the Bucks Warriors Moneyline Parlay. If you did, you got plus 204. The Bucks handled the Spurs easily. The warriors handled the celtics less than easily but doesn't matter money line means you win the game and they won the game steph curry got seven points in the last 30 seconds don't care he finished with 33 points and we had a bet that he would get over 28 and a half overtime counts one of the problems is that we had the pelicans six and a half over the grizzlies The Pelicans were up 20. I was looking for a sweep to totally ignore and make up and make good on my weekend debacle. But then John Morant in his first game back decided that he would again show the Pelicans and Zion Williamson that he's the best player from that draft and the Grizzlies won the damn game. I was annoyed because I should have realized that Morant would have that impact. But for some reason, I had a belief in the Pelicans incorrect so we went two and one we are 193 and 185. tonight we have an interesting game in the nba we are getting toward the end of our picks we've got a wednesday show that's today so picks for wednesday night and then thursday we'll make picks for thursday night friday's the last show of the year that's live next week we're going to be doing mailbag episodes we've recorded two of them i think you're going to find them quite interesting there's another one that we will release that will have top 10 movies of the year top 10 shows of the year my new year's resolutions and how they did this year spoiler alert i am weak i am weak anyway we'll get to that in the mailbag so the interesting game tonight that i'm going to watch is the mavericks and the clippers the clippers are favored by two and a half on the road in dallas And the reason why that line is out of whack is while James Harden is playing well, and I'll give him his props when he's playing well, him together with Kawhi and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Steve Ballmer's dream, avec Dulot. I'm not allowed to say that, not in French, but he's all excited. But I think this is a little bit of irrational exuberance because Luca, as you know, one of my favorite players, he plays for the Mavericks and he has been on fire He had a child about 19 days ago. He's averaging about 36 and a half points since he had the baby. And now they're getting two and a half at home versus the Clippers. We're taking the Mavericks plus two and a half. I would expect the Mavericks to win that game outright. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna, wait, did we take a break yet, Coca? We did not. Yes, we did. Hi, I'm David Sampson. All right, I'm good. I skipped the review. I was too busy in the chat. I really wasn't. Here we go. I watched a movie yesterday. I have no idea why I watched it, but I did, and I'm the better man for it. There's a new movie out called The Persian Version. Yes, do we have a picture of it, Coca, that you can show? The Persian, Ver- there it is. The Persian Version is a movie that you would not expect to want to watch but here's why you should i didn't know any of the actors in it but i really related to the story it's the story about a family i love if you haven't been able to figure out what kind of movies i love it's the movies that make me feel something it's the movies that remind me either of my family or remind me of what my family is not So I'm looking for connection. I'm looking for moments always, for feeling, for tears, for something like that, to try to uh, help the wiring. And this movie is about a daughter who feels as though she is not necessarily accepted by her family. She has a ton of brothers. She's the only girl trying to take care of a sick father, trying to navigate through the world of what it is to be in America as an iranian there are some significant significant lessons to be learned in the persian version and it's done all with a smile it's not done so i don't mind movies where there's a message and they think about uh an inconvenient truth is a good example barbie is a good example barbie one of my favorite movies of the year spoiler alert obviously very pro-women, very pro-feminism, and you almost get hit over the head with it. An Inconvenient Truth with Al Gore and that documentary about climate change. You almost get hit in the head with his view of climate change. I understand when movies want to do that, and I don't dislike movies for doing that, but I prefer movies where what they are doing is more subtle and that you don't feel as though you are being pounded. And the subtlety in the Persian version is about what it is to be different, how it's dealt with and how it's okay. One family is not like another family, whether it's because they're from a different country, whether they're a different color from the same country, whether they have different experiences, different situations, different numbers in the family. It all goes back to my general philosophy that I've tried to project through the course of four years doing nothing personal. Live and let live. Do you really care? Does it bother you that much? Watch the Persian version and tell me that you don't like it. I triple dare you. All right. Do you know what I really enjoy? We're gonna end the show with a little segment about the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are a team. They're the, uh, not the original team. I think the New Orleans Aints were the original team where they wore paper bags over their heads when they went to games. Detroit Lions fans have gone through a lot, a lot of losing, a lot of losing. They went through Matt Millen. Many, many years ago, we watched that movie, Bye Bye Barry, about Barry Sanders, when the Detroit Lions were good, not good enough, didn't win a Super Bowl. Now, under Dan Campbell, And when Dan Campbell was hired and he talked about breaking people's kneecaps, I said he's not going to last his contract. This is a total disaster. Dan Campbell has been terrific. Whether he lasts his contract remains to be seen, but it certainly looks good now. The Lions are in position where they have a chance to get through the NFC. I don't think they will. I think they're maybe the third best team in the NFC, but all of that said, they are in position that they have not been in, in a very long time. As a matter of fact, they haven't won their division. Think about this in 30 years. What kind of franchise hasn't won a division in 30 years? Who, can you imagine running a team for 18 seasons, 16 seasons, not winning a division? It's, I mean, that person deserves to be canned. But the Lions are gonna win the NFC North. And one of the reasons why I like to be in the playoff hunt, and I've told you this on previous business podcasts, is that if you're in the hunt on September 1st, you get to send out playoff invoices, you get to collect everyone's money, and if you don't make the playoffs, you get to keep the money and apply it to next year and make it really hard for people to get refunded. Nah, just leave it and give me a credit for next year. Great, I'm using people as a bank. The other reason why I really enjoy winning seasons is that you can raise ticket prices. The Detroit Lions have not been able to raise ticket prices since 2018. They just notified their season ticket holders that they're raising prices for 2024. It'll be an average 30% increase. Some sections will be an 85% increase. I love that, sort of. When we sit down with our finance department and our salespeople, and we're coming up with our price increases because we're having a good year, they're gonna make the playoffs for the first time since 16. They have had to hold season tickets steady because they've been that bad and only ridiculous teams raise their prices when their team is bad. So now they feel like, the world's our oyster. And the way you figure out your season ticket prices is you look at your current set of season ticket holders. You look at where those locations are. Then you look at the prices of teams in your market. Then you look at the prices of teams out of your market. Then you meet with a specialist who helps decide what the prices should be. And after all of that, you come up with prices, except if you screw it up you end up crushing your fan base and getting less ticket revenue than you budgeted to get. Do you remember an example of the latest team to do the very same thing? What Inter-Miami did? We did a whole segment, Inter-Miami got messy. They won the cup, they won games, they didn't quite make the playoffs, but Messi and his jersey and himself, it's just an absolute boon to the business of Inter-Miami and they raise their prices, those insane amounts, and then they misbuild people, and then they had to retract. This is a major moment for the Lions to have a PR victory. When they're coming up with their ticket prices, they've got to have a release when they announce the increases that are not percentage-based. Because when it's percentage-based, you come off looking greedy. A 30% increase in anything, no matter what the performance, is too much however there are certain parts of your seating bowl where you can increase by more than 30 percent and get way more revenue but still get to announce that 80 percent of your seats are going up by only 15 percent and the reason why you want that as your announcement is you take the whole upper deck you count the number of seats you raise those prices by a bit it doesn't matter Let's say that they are $10, make them $11, make them $12. So that's a 20% increase, but you get to announce a blended increase or you get to announce a sectional increase and you choose what to announce between those two concepts, the one that gives you the best look. A blended increase is when you take the overall increase of every single seat. You blend it together and that's a percentage increase. A sectional increase is when you can say X number of seats went up by Y and A number of seats went up by B. As everybody knows who's in the ticket pricing business, it is way easier to increase expensive seats by more than to increase cheap seats by more. Because the elasticity of demand And the disposable income of the people who sit in the best seats is always greater than that of those who sit in the cheap seats. So you make more money by having rich people pay more than you do by having poor people pay more because they can't, they won't, and then you're gonna lose them. So the Lions are in an enviable position where they get to have increased ticket prices, but how they do it? I hope that they are paying attention and I hope they announce it smartly because this is their moment, finally, where they can announce an increase and say, hey, people in good seats, it's just business. This is nothing personal.